Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Yeah, I know it's been making the rounds the last two days. Repeat the line. Repeat the line. Repeat the line. Uh, welcome. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you'd like to take part, all you have to do, 800-848-WABC. Pick up your telephone, dial that number, 800-848-9222. Diego's in the house. The crew's in the house. And we are going to take your calls. By the way, if you happen to have an opposing point of view at any time during the show, you can call. And please let the screener know, our call screener, know that you have an opposing point of view. And he will do his best to move your call up in the order so that we can take opposing views first. That will be standard operating procedure for the show from now on. And it has been, actually, but I rarely state it, so now it is stated. There is a column to, there are so many uh, items we should talk about. First of all, it's so bad with this guy, the bodega guy, that even Democrats are finally coming out and telling Mayor Adams, look, do something Something has got to change in terms of Alvin Bragg. This is ludicrous. Now, if you haven't been following that story all week, earlier this week, one of these thugs, hoodlum, predators, and his girlfriend were near Bodega. The girlfriend goes in, asked for a bag of chips. For some reason... They didn't have the money to pay for a bag of chips. I guess they couldn't find anybody to rob to get enough money to purchase a bag of chips. And so she expects a freebie. The guy at the bodega says, no, I'm not giving you a freebie. No, 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 no. You have to actually pay for things here. Costs money. You're not going to get a benefit bag of chips. You're not going to get an affirmative action bag of chips. You're not going to get a gratis, you're a progressive bag of chips just because your hand is out. You're not going to get a bag of chips just because you want one. You have to pay. Well, the little lady gets mad. She goes outside the bodega, and in comes the thug, criminal, repeat criminal, thug, super predator boyfriend. 
the super predator boyfriend goes behind the counter and starts to wail on the, the, the bodega worker. Thankfully for the bodega worker, there was a weapon in the bodega. He gets the weapon and plunges that weapon into the body of the super predator thug. And that was that. Super predator drops. Threat to the man's life is over. What happens after that? Why, our marvelous district attorney and his prosecutors in New York City arrest the bodega worker and charge him with murder for defending his own life against the super predator thug that's still on the street thanks to their liberal policies. And this has outraged most sane people in the New York area even some Democrat politicians who don't normally side with sanity have said, this is wrong. Alvin Bragg's office reduced the bail, but the charges are still pending on this guy. And I don't understand, for the, and most people don't understand, why are you charging him with murder? It was This was all on videotape. The guy's fighting for his life against this super predator thug. Ridiculous. So there's that. Oh, Princess Diana is supposed was supposed to be with us today. There has been a joyous emergency. I won't go any further than that in the royal family, or there is going to be a, a joyous emergency in the royal family. She will not be able to join us today. We look forward to hearing from Princess Diana, perhaps even on Monday. Mayor Eric Adams has said his heart goes out to Jose Alba, that's the bodega employee, unjustly. This is the New York Post. Mayor Eric Adams says his heart goes out to Jose Alba, the bodega employee, unjustly charged with murder for defending himself from a violent attack. Yet, yet, yet Mayor Adams won't condemn Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg for bringing the charges against Alba and having him jailed on half a million dollars bail. What is the mayor afraid of? Adam says we cannot dictate or mandate how a DA determines how he's going to prosecute crimes, and he won't second-guess Bragg for his actions. Oh, what a punkish way out. This is Mr. Big, Mr. I'm big on crime. You know, I started wishing wishing the mayor all the best when he took over and hoped that he could bring some law and order and sanity to this city. And this mayor, to me, to my mind, is an abject failure. He's just another big talker. This guy, though, Maureen Dowd, has a piece there today. I haven't seen a piece from Moto ever since she was enamored with Bill Clinton. You know, because she, uh, let's not go back to those days. But Moto has a piece about Alvin, about Eric Adams. It just goes on and on, lavishing praise on him today in the New York Times. 
But Adams is just, I mean, let's face facts. I mean, sad facts. He's weak. He's a showboat. He's a show-off. He talks out of both sides of his mouth. On one side of his mouth, he's Mr. Oh, I'm going to fight crime. When it comes to actually fighting crime, he does squat. He's another one. Oh, look at me, proud peacock Democrat. I dress better than any other Democrat you've ever seen in your life. I go to parties with the rich and elite. He punishes his own city workers for not taking a vaccine while letting out-of-town athletes get a pass on his own mandate. And there are campaign donations in the middle of that story, too, from big sports executives. Alvin Bragg has refused, this is what the New York Post says, to do what's necessary to keep our streets, businesses, and subways safe. Showed his real agenda with the Alba charge. No bail or jail time for serious criminals, but raise your hand in your own defense and he'll toss you in the slammer in a heartbeat. That about says it. This is pitiful. It's a pitiful performance by this alleged district attorney, this progressive, which ought to show you what progressives are worth. But yet you people, you Democrats among us, keep voting for these people. You keep putting them up as your standard bearers. Governor Hochul will not fire this guy, and this ought to become, if I were running against Hochul in this governor's race, I would make Alvin Bragg the central issue of my campaign. Because if you're able to lose, if you're able to force her to lose New York City, and if you're able to force her to lose Buffalo and Rochester, she's done. I would make these prosecutors and crime, out-of-control crime, the number one issue and pin it right on Kathy Hochul and pin it on Eric Adams. Eric Adams is already a failure as a mayor. He's a failure. And unless he steps up to the plate and starts acting like he really cares beyond a few words here and there about crime and, and how his heart goes out, to the bodega guy, unless he starts actually acting like a mayor who cares about getting rid of crime in the city and taking on this 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 insanity that is coming from the district attorney's office, he's showing New Yorkers he doesn't really care about crime at all. And by the way, why do we have fewer police on the streets than we did years ago? Why are there fewer detectives working cases? than years ago. All this is happening under Eric Adams' watch. There's a related story, in a way, that has to do with guns, because, you know, this is the big thing. By the way, this guy didn't have a gun, and a gun wasn't used to stop him. But there is a story about guns that I do want to get to. Because, and it concerns, and it deals with these background checks. And that is the FBI, (laughs) our FBI, yeah, 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 our FBI. 
Now, I, before I criticize the FBI, let me say that I know that there are a lot of agents in the FBI that are great human beings and that really want the best thing, which is to protect and serve this country. And I would say that there are probably more agents in the FBI and in the FBI hierarchy that want that than anything else. However, now let me say this. The FBI is corrupt, and they've been corrupt. And the corruption in the FBI is not new. The corruption in the FBI goes beyond the 1970s and the Civil Rights Movement and the way that they infiltrated groups like the Black Panthers illegally. And even though, okay, I know a lot of people think the Black Panthers were the threat then, but the way they went about it was illegal. The illegal wiretaps going further than that on Dr. Martin Luther King. If you go further back into the corrupt career of J. Edgar Hoover, it's hard to figure out how anybody could name a building after that cretin. This is a guy who blackmailed political political officials. And everyone was afraid of him because of his secret files that he kept. This is a guy who went against the law in the early part of his career to harass and prosecute and persecute immigrants to this country, including Italian-Americans and others. Again, outside of the law, outside of the mandates of the law. J. Edgar Hoover was a disgrace. His reign was a disgrace. And I'm not even talking about his little private life, which is his business. But, I mean, here's this Mr. Image of this, that, everything else is illegal. And one of the things he was doing was carrying out an apparently an illegal affair. There should have never been a building named after this Cretan. And the FBI has been corrupt almost since its inception. Again, many of the most of the agents who work at the FBI are straight up. But that's how you get the FBI rogue out of control, participating in trying to take down Donald Trump. And nobody does anything about him. That's how you get an FBI that can't manage to ever investigate Hillary Clinton or find her emails or find anything else on Democrats, but they can find every single person that was in the Capitol building on January 6th. They are a political agency. They are a political arm of the Democrat Party. That's what the FBI is these days to me. And that entire organization needs to be the management body of the FBI needs to be swept clean from top to bottom. Anyway, time to take a break. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Again, if you disagree, I would love to entertain your calls. 800-848-WABC is the number to do that. 800-848-9222. We are coming back right after this. Talk Radio 77. WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, is on the air. 77 WABC. Welcome to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza with James Golden, Bo Snerdley, here with you. Again, if you'd like to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC. We will be taking calls in a few moments. I've got somebody on the line that disagrees with me about something. 
Isley Brothers bring us back from the album 3 Plus 3. Shout out to Chris Jasper of the Owlsley Brothers, who debuted in one of his latest songs right here on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. What a musician. What a guy. You can find him easily. Just Google Chris Jasper. He's got a lot of music that he's been still working on. Great guy. Anyway. Let's head to, let's do this. Let's go to the phones. We've got someone that disagrees, and I do want to get to the story, and I will wait till after the phone call, um, the FBI, because there's a story I want to share with you about that. But Phil in the Bronx, welcome. Thank you for calling, Phil. What's on your mind this morning? Well, uh, am, am I on? Yes, sir, you are on. Okay. Uh, I, I completely disagree with, with the trend that you're on. In other words, you're well, Hoover this, or or uh, the Mayor Adams that, or this this prosecutor. Look, if you look very carefully at the facts, you're going to see something very shocking. It has nothing to do with these people. It is the average citizen, prospective voter, who is the problem. You have elections like the the election for Alvin Bragg, the district attorney. One out of nine people even bothered to vote. And he won by a landslide. The same thing pretty much happened with Adams. There should be a requirement in this country that the that any citizen over the age of 18 must, not should, must vote. Because the problem is you have people in this city. I live in a very exclusive area of the Bronx, unfortunately. And you have people that own property who treat it like a rag. They have no level of responsible performance. And voters, by and large, they are, they're pretty much decent people, but they don't vote. They just say, well, uh, someone Phil, else will vote. Phil, I listened up. Now let me just interject and say, number one, my criticisms of the FBI are legitimate criticisms, and I'm going to continue to criticize them. My criticisms of J. Edgar Hoover, who who basically built the FBI, are historically accurate, and I'm going to continue to criticize him. The man should have never been allowed to have the power that he had and that he welded over American politicians illegally, and the things that he did while in his tenure were illegal, and he should have never been allowed to continue. Mayor Adams you know, we can go back and forth over Mayor Adams, but now let's deal with this business about you think people should be mandated to vote. Uh, Phil, not voting is a vote. Not voting says, I don't care enough about these issues that are being raised that I'm going to go to the polls and cast a ballot. Now, you saw when Obama ran, all of a sudden we had this big uptick in black in the number of black voters that came out because... They perceived that they had a reason finally to go to the polls, right or wrong. You see this on evidence. You saw it again when Donald Trump ran. People that never voted came out and said, finally, somebody is talking my language. Somebody here understands me, not these two 
political parties, one of which cares nothing about uh, uh, illegal immigration, crime, or any of these other things, or the other, and, and, and wants to keep outsourcing my job overseas. Donald Trump talked directly to American people. And as a result, many people who weren't part of the political system came out and said, finally, I'm going to vote. A mandated a mandate that everyone has to vote is is stripping Americans of more of their freedom. We have the freedom in this country to sit it out if we decide to. And there's nothing wrong with sitting it out, by the way. I'm not one of these people that goes around, everybody has to vote. Everybody has to. No, everybody doesn't have to vote. If you don't care about politics, if you don't care to be involved in the issues, I'm glad you don't vote. Rather than walk around coming into the polls misinformed or listening to Democrat or liberal progressive talking points, not knowing what you're talking about and then casting a ballot. I'm glad you don't vote. You don't want to be engaged? Sit it out. Don't vote. And I don't I don't believe we should be trying especially trying to mandate that people vote. Oh heck no. Let them stay home if they don't vote. You get the last word, Phil, because you call to disagree. And I and I appreciate your call very much, Phil, by the way. Go ahead, Phil. Well, I, I thank you. But, you know, my, my bottom line is you take the average individual, you, you can't really say, well, oh, they're, they're not sufficiently educated, they're not sufficiently aware. But there's a lethargy that's over this country for the, for the average citizen, this big lethargy. They've got too many issues. They don't have the time to sit down and examine. My, my father used to sit down and examine the issues and decide what he was going to do, but he still voted. One way or the other, you have to get involved with your country. You can go and serve in the armed forces. You can, you can, you can do this or that. But if you don't vote, no matter which way you vote, you're going you're gonna to let this country go straight to hell. Okay, you got the last word. Uh, and thank you for the call, Phil. I appreciate your call very much. I'll hear from you again. Thank you. Now that he, Okay, so now I'm finished with, with the discussion with someone. Now let me just say this. Okay, I re- repeat. If you don't want to participate in the system, stay your butt home. Okay? If you don't want to vote, stay your butt home. If you don't know the issues, stay your butt home. It's okay. If you don't want to participate in America's beautiful, wonderful, representative republic and you think it's a waste of time, good. Stay your butt home. Because you because by most people that think that way, I believe the low information voters, they're the ones who screw things up. All right? And look at look at New York. Look at New York. New York has been except for Mayor Giuliani, a brief time with with John Lindsay, for pretty much the rest of New York over the past 200 years, New York has been politically in the hands of one corrupt party, the Democrat Corrupt Party. And look at what the corrupt party has done to New York. We spend more money than several nations on the planet of planet Earth. Yet, you can't drive your car down any of the roads. I don't care whether you're in Manhattan, whether you're in Bronx, Staten Island, Queens, or Brooklyn. 
every street almost is filled with potholes. Every major highway needs work. That's just the basics. When you go further, look at the filth that is on almost every single New York-owned building. They can't even clean their own buildings. Now you look at the schools. Over 200-some-odd failing schools every year, year after year, decade after decade. Look at the welfare system. Never improves. Look at what goes on in in the city agencies. And this is not to knock city workers who are doing the best they can. And then look at the way that New York elite treats the health care workers of New York who tried to keep this, this city going during the coronavirus. These people put their lives on the risk every single day. And yet these elites like Mayor Adams come in and say, oh, oh, you don't want to take the, vi- you don't want to take the vaccine, so you're fired. You're fired. This, de- this Democrat Party that has run New York for 200 years is as corrupt as any political party on the face of the earth. And it's the, New York's greatness is a testament to the people who have not let the corruption of New York deter them from being great. Because, my fellow New Yorkers, you are great. And when I say my fellow New Yorkers, that includes this entire area. That's New Jersey. That's Connecticut. That's Pennsylvania. I mean, we stream worldwide. That's all of you who live in the sixth borough of New York down in Florida. That's all of you spread all over the world who have taken your New York attitude with you wherever you go. The people of New York are great. The corrupt party that runs New York, they suck. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza, back right after this. Radio 77, WABC. Oh, knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. All the notes bring us back on your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Your kiss is on my lips. I wonder if that's what Monica said to... Never mind. Uh, No cigar jokes. Too early in the morning. Netflix, and I realize many of you have dropped your Netflix subscriptions. There's a new Dave Chappelle offering on Netflix. It's called What's in a Name. I actually saw it last night. I did not know it was going to drop. I 
Before I even read this story, I saw it. I said, oh, Dave Chappelle, something new. And it is a speech from an address that he gave at his alma mater, the Duke Ellington School of the Arts in Washington, D.C. And I will tell you that this is utterly fascinating. David Chappelle walks everyone through his career and his time at Duke Ellington and his life before he went to Duke Ellington High School. And he calls out teachers by name that it, it is a you have a range of, you can have a range of emotions if you watch this. And then he dealt with this issue of the kids, this little young generation of kids who screamed and yelled at him over his last episode, The Closer, because he made a few jokes that the wokesters don't like. And I will tell you what, this, it is so, I don't want to be a spoiler, but there are so many things in this that are worthwhile. And Dave Chappelle, I tell you what, this guy has an amazing capacity to explain what it is that he does as a comedian and the nuances of being an entertainer, especially in this world where wokeness has now taken over. It is so, to me, you know, I'm not trying to tell you to get Netflix, but if you know somebody that knows Netflix, maybe you'll, just hang out and see whether they'll let you see the uh, this new Chappelle offering. All right, the story with the FBI. Then we'll go back and do some more phones. I love the fact that people call in so early. I don't want to leave you guys hanging, so we'll do some phones. Here's the story. The FBI didn't finish over a million gun background checks in time to stop a sale in 2020 and 2021. As gun sales soared over the past two years, more background checks slipped through the holes in the system. No, this was not written by some right-wing journalist, which is how the left usually tries to deflect bad information. This comes from NBC News which used to be a trusted name in news before they allowed that monstrosity PMSNBC to be branded under their headline. There were over one million opportunities for someone to buy a gun from a licensed dealer without a completed background check in 2020 and 2021, according to an FBI report released last month. In all, one million 2,274 background checks, or 4.2%, took longer than three business days in 2020 and 2021, a higher share than any other period since at least 2014. That's according to data compiled by NBC News. After the third business day, federal law allows dealers to sell weapons without background checks, pretty much while the background check is still pending, which potentially puts weapons in the hands of people who can't legally own a gun because they're mentally ill or because they have a criminal history. Ultimately, the FBI completed about one-fourth of those delayed background checks, 
they discovered that 11,000 Samar people were able to buy guns before the check showed that they should have not been allowed to do so. In other words, 11,000 people plus got guns because of these delays when they shouldn't have had them. But that number only accounts for a fraction of the delayed background checks. The FBI never completed, never completed 734,604 checks from January 2020 to November 2021 because they took longer than 88 days. After that, the Bureau must stop its research and purge the unfinished checks from its system. So over 700,000 people plus were able to buy weapons with no background checks, and the information is purged from their system. They don't even know who anymore because they purged the information. Now, again, these are the same, this is the same FBI that can't tell us after all these years how, how the Secretary of State of the United States of America. Some consider that the third most powerful position in the United States government, behind the president, vice president, and then secretary of state. They can't tell us where emails, over 30,000 emails of Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's are that should have never been sent from a private server, which is against the law. They have never told us that. The FBI has never fully explained how a gun-run operation in the Obama administration led by Eric Holder enabled a U.S. border guard to be killed with an illegal weapon that they were involved with the gun. That was the Fast and Furious program, where they were trading arms to try to entrap people in Mexico. The whole thing blew up wrong, and we never got to the bottom of that. Had that happened under a Republican administration, all hell would have broken loose. There are so many instances where the FBI could have investigated the administrations of the Clintons. For instance, the Clinton Foundation raised all kind of money and is accused of wrongdoing in many instances, not one investigation. Yet this is the same FBI that was poised to go after parents, American parents, who went to school board meetings to complain that their children had been raped. And they wanted to call those parents domestic terrorists because they dare go challenge liberal educators, liberal school board members. That's this FBI who can't even complete the background task that they're supposed to be before you can get a gun. And yet we have to listen to liberals whining and moaning every single day of the week about guns. We have laws on the books. They're supposed to get background checks for people. The FBI doesn't complete them. But they no, no, no. But they can find every single person that was at the January 6th incident 
and haul their ass into jail and put them in solitary confinement and treat them like they're terrorists. There is a dual standard of justice in, in this country, and the FBI are complicit in it. And now we learn that over a million background checks there's, were not done on time. And nobody is being held to account. Not one person in the FBI is going to be hauled in front and said, you know what, bad job, you're fired. If you were in the private sector and you had this kind of performance on something so vital to American safety, you would be fired. But not the FBI. Oh, no. Anyway, I'm not trying to make enemies out of the good people at the FBI, and I will say it again. I believe the overwhelming number of agents that work for the FBI are straight-up people. They're interested in protecting and serving America. It is the FBI leadership that I'm saying has been corrupt and has been corrupt for decades. Not the FBI agents, except for the people like Peter Stroke. And again, what real, what real accountability has he had to deal with? For trying to overthrow the United States election and get rid of Donald Trump. He and Lisa Page and McCabe. No, they get rewarded. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, your call's coming up. Don't go away. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Confunction. Diego, what's the name of this one? This is Love's Train. Cool. Oh, this is so 80s. You know what? The 80s just were a remarkable period. When you hear an 80s song, it's like, I know this is from the 80s. And the introduction seemed to go on forever. WABC Talk, Radio 77. Let's jam. It's Saturday morning on WABC. This is what you are Saturday morning radio extravaganza. All right, let's listen to some seal. I'm done. Thank you. You know, I've never seen Seal in concert. I would love to see this guy in concert. And there are so few concerts that I want to go to anymore. 
WABC Radio 77. Let's head back to the phones. Kevin in Bayonne. Thank you for waiting. What's on your mind this morning, Kevin? Uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, I'm not anti-black or anti-racist. Uh, Uh-oh. But, but if you look up race. Boy, when someone starts off a call like that, you got to figure out, uh-oh, I wonder what's coming. Uh, I'm not anti-black. I'm not a racist. But. Okay, but what, Kevin? And it's a good word, but when he becomes an ethical, you get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what I'm going to talk to you about is uh, the uh, statue of Robert E. Lee in the 1800s. Shall, yeah. shall be placed in the Arlington National Cemetery. It's home. Yeah. What about uh, it? I want to place in the Arlington National Cemetery. That's where you want, oh, the statue that was taken down from the center square in Richmond. You want that, I think it was Richmond. You want that moved to Arlington National Cemetery. Yes, I want to turn to scrap Kevin, you know what? I actually think that's a, ooh, that would, I know that would so anger some people. But I have to tell you, Kevin, I don't think that the statue of Robert E. Lee should have ever been taken down. It is part of American history. Now, I can understand when you look at some of these miscreants, like some of these people that then went into the Klan after the Confederate War, and they actually terrorized people. They never, uh, re- they never, they never had any remorse over their actions in the Confederate. Well, I think that's kind of different than the story of Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee was one of the finest generals that America ever produced. Robert E. Lee was also a sympathetic figure in that he was torn, but back then the urge to defend one's state, and we, and we as Americans don't, don't recognize this very often now. When our country was first founded and through the first 150 years of this country's existence, your identity as a state, as a citizen of a state, was more important than your identity as an American. Yes, we were part of American, but most people identified with their state. I'm a citizen of Virginia. I'm a citizen of Massachusetts. I'm a citizen of New York. I'm a citizen of Georgia, of Florida. Robert E. Lee, also after the war was over, went on to help education in with the with in, in in his native Virginia. And of course you're right, a lot of people don't realize that the National Cemetery at Arlington was the estate of Robert E. Lee. When the war broke out, he and his wife were forced to he was forced to flee. His wife stayed for a while, but then after the Union took it over, that was that. And it became the final resting place for many American patriots. I think if you put Robert E. Lee's statue there, it would offend a lot of people. I can understand why you say it should be there. It was his estate. It was a part of the history. I don't know whether people would look kindly upon it. I, for one, hated to see the statue of Robert E. Lee removed. And I am. I think it's a case-by-case basis. I mean, some of these statues that have been removed from some of these Cretans that, have, um, that intentionally were, were among the worst racist scum to ever walk the earth. I can understand why people want those statues removed. I, I I think we should tread very carefully when it comes to erasing American history. 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. It is all part of our history. And I think we, but people do have a right to define their communities the way that they want to define their communities. That's one of the, one of the things about America that we seem to have forgotten. That's one of the things that Alexis de Tocqueville talked about this, this, I believe. I must confess, I never read de Tocqueville's book. I've other, I've read about people who read it. I should actually go back and read that book. I will also confess that I've tried to get through the Federalist Papers any number of times. I can get through some of it, some of it, but some of it just bores the hell out of me. But I have read the the Federalist Papers, and more importantly, I've read through the complete writings of Thomas Jefferson, the complete writings of John Adams. No, not John Adams. It was another one. Um, there There was a library, the New American Library, that used to publish some of these books. They had great books. But anyway, I, I have sympathy for those people that didn't want to see Robert E. Lee's statue removed. And no, I don't think you're a racist because of that or anything like that. And it's a shame that we have to qualify our remarks now like that, isn't it? Anyway, let's. Uh, can, thank you for the call, Kevin. Let's continue with Clarence in Brooklyn, New York. Clarence, how are you? Welcome. You're on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Golden. This is Clarence DeCabby. Yeah, I'm in Queens now, uh, and I just wanted to say you're absolutely correct that in a democracy, uh, people should not be forced to vote. But I think Phil was correct that the problem is that because of the apathy that people have, that's why you wind up having democracy fail, because a certain elite group of people who understands why we have a political process uh, mandate their people to vote. For example, mm. when I was younger, for, for when I was younger, all right, one of the reasons why it's so hard to unseat an incumbent mayor is because the full city machine, especially those who are assigned to political um, positions, understand, wink, wink, not, not, that if you don't vote, you lose your job. Just that simple. If you don't contribute, you lose your job. That's the reality of politics that has been going on in, in, since I've been alive. And my, like I said, my family's very political over in Jersey. Uh, and I know New York has even more of that than we do. Yeah, you know, you make some interesting points, uh, Clarence. Uh, let me just say again, um, I think that people are apathetic because they have not been given a reason not to be apathetic. Okay, look at what's going on just this year. See, I can understand people that are so disgusted with the whole system they want to bail out. I'm not one of them, but I can understand it. You look at the way that this government has lied every step of the way through COVID, lied to the people of the United States. There is an article today, and I'm going to get to it, all in praise of the vaccine and how speedy it was able to get on the market. This is what it's called. Let me let me just dig it. Here's here's from the editorial board of the Amazon Prime Washington Post. Opinion, the vaccines were a biomedical triumph. They reached too few. And I'm going to talk about this story because they go in and basically blame the American people for not taking vaccines in greater numbers. Why should they? Because the information that came from this government was untrustworthy all the way through because liberals politicized this entire COVID thing as a way to try to get Donald Trump and complicit in it were the news media. 
Now, you can go through almost every single issue in American politics, and you will find on the left a lot of times where there is a total lack of honesty. You look at even the election issue, voter ID, voter ID. Oh, it harms black people. Like black people are some stupid idiots who can't get an ID. And yet this is what Democrats parade out there for decades and decades. And so there are a lot of people who look at the way that the parties behave. There are people who look at the way that rhinos behave. They run as conservatives. They get in. And when they get in, they never vote the way that they tell people they're going to vote. And so I can understand people on both sides of the aisle who look at this and say, you know what? Nah, I got better things to do. I think I'll go reorganize my sock drawer today. But I think that ultimately the problem of that gets solved when you do have a disruptor, a someone that comes in that disrupts the status quo. That was what Donald Trump was. To a smaller degree, that's what Obama pretended to be. But was not. I'll tell you something, people. America, hear me on this. If Obama had governed like he ran, we would have never, ever, ever been able to elect another Republican president for generations. If Obama had simply governed the way that he ran and tried to govern maybe a little center-right, but from the center, not from the far left, if he had just done that and he was able to bring a bipartisan, and he would have been able to because there were Republican rhinos who were too scared of being called a racist that would have voted for almost anything reasonable that Obama had put up. But instead, he lurched straight for the for the left so badly that he eliminated any chance of becoming a unifier as a president. But had he actually governed the way he ran that first campaign, he would have been a very good president. At least that would have been the perception. But Donald Trump, look at what Donald Trump did. This guy talked... Everybody, no one gave him a chance. You go back to that first down the escalator speech when he went off on Mexico about sending us drug dealers, rapists, criminals. And everybody was like, oh, my word, have you ever heard somebody speak like this? He's such a bigot. These media people were laughing up their wazoo with this guy. They're like, oh, this guy will never win. What did Obama say? Oh, come on. World leaders are asking me about Trump. Trump's never going to win. Trump won because he was a disruptor. He disrupted the entire status quo that everyone's gotten used to in our political theater. And he spoke directly to people. You know who else did that? The guy that amassed the single largest radio audience in American history. The guy that talked directly with the American people and not to the American people. Anyway, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, here with you. We have two full hours to go. We have a lot of great phone calls. If you are on hold, stay on hold, please. And we've got so much more news. It's you and me today, too. It's our Saturday morning 
radio extravaganza. Have a cup of coffee. Don't go far away. Come right back, because I'll be right back. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so, end of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electoral and or political, or, or maybe precise, not and or, or political power. That's another way of saying that you, the women of America, can determine the outcome. Repeat the line, repeat the line, repeat the line, repeat the line. Uh, that's your president, Joe Biden, there, reading off his teleprompter. Teleprompter is king. If you'd like to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC, as we go through it. You know, um, there's a story. Um, uh, my chief engineer, uh, Mr. Soko, pointed this out to me yesterday. I hadn't had a chance to read it until this morning. And when I read it, I about. Is this the diarrhea? N- not that story. Oh, okay. But. We'll get to the that story <laughs> perhaps later. Joe Biden has sold 950,000 barrels of the United States Strategic Petroleum Reserve to a state-owned Chinese firm, which Hunter Biden's private equity firm held a $1.7 billion stake, reports say. Let me repeat that. Joe Biden has sold 950,000 barrels barrels of oil from the United States Strategic Petroleum Reserve to a state-owned Chinese firm, which Hunter Biden's private equity firm held a $1.7 billion stake, reports say. We're in the middle of exploding gas lean prices thank you to joe biden's policies although the biden that poor girl that they put up as the spokesperson boy i tell you what they hammer that poor girl she's not ready for this job her her she, she looks like she's shell-shocked half the time she's up there and she can't answer questions she's inept in my opinion but that's another matter I don't want to be mean to her. You know, it's a hard job for any. That is one of the jobs that I would least want to ever have in my life because you can't tell the truth. I don't care which party you work for. I don't care whether you're a Democrat spokesperson or Republican spokesperson because the simple matter is this. Whatever the policies are, there are always going to be criticisms of it, and you can't always address some of the criticisms that are going to be leveled at you without harming 
the administration you work for. It is not a job that anybody can do without spinning. You have to put the spin on some things if you're going to do that job well. And some people are better at spinning than others. But there are some administrations where you don't have to spin as much because you're primarily telling the truth. Now, the best person I ever saw handle the job of White House spokesperson was Tony Snow, my my, my late friend. What a great man Tony Snow was, Tony Snow. He was humorous. He did it with a with a Tony Tony Snow had a style where he was disarming because he was such a nice guy. He was genuinely a nice human being. He's the kind of guy I don't care politics aside, you just want to hang out with him because he was a nice guy. But he was smart as a whip. And he was political, but he did it in a very disarming way. And that's how he handled the press. He knew them. He knew what they were capable of. He didn't let them get away with with faulty premises. But he handled the the press by, by using humor, by disarming them, and then by giving information. And Tony wasn't a liar. But he knew how to answer questions properly. This poor girl that they have now, she has to resort to open lies to try to stay above water, and she doesn't even realize, apparently, when she's doing it. Like the other day, she said something like, we're living in the the, the best historic economic times. And it was like, are you nuts? Who's sending you out with these lines? You're not convincing anyone in the press, and you're certainly not con- convincing the detractors of this administration. Every time that they ask her, Peter Ducey, and we'll play this in the 9 o'clock hour, Peter Ducey asked her, about Hunter Biden's, uh, this laptop business, and the lie that Joe Biden got caught in, and she can't even just, well, I'll have to refer you to blah, blah, blah. She won't even answer the question. She can't. And when it comes to so many matters of policy, this poor little girl, she can't answer them. I don't know why she was promoted to that position. Anyway, this story should be questioned, but it's not going to. Here we are in the middle of a gasoline crisis because prices are so high. And Joe Biden's taking oil closer to a million barrels of oil out of our strategic petroleum reserve, and he's sending it to a communist firm. When you see state-owned Chinese firm, insert the words, Communist firm. Because that's what it is. That is not an exaggeration. State-owned means communist. So Joe Biden is taking our strategic oil, sending it over to the communist in China, into a firm that his son Hunter used to hold a $1.7 billion stake, his private equity firm. What gives here? Who's getting paid off? Who's making money? How does? Why did this happen? Now, Hunter Biden's lawyers say he no, he no, he no longer has any, any uh, stake in that, but that, does that really matter? His cronies, 
apparently still have stakes in it. Again, where's the FBI on this? Where is the FBI on this entire episode? Where is the DOJ? Can you imagine? Here, close your eyes and try to imagine this story. Two years ago, Donald Trump, President Donald Trump today, took 2 million barrels of oil from our strategic reserve and sold it to a firm in Russia that his son had a major stake. Can you imagine what what they would be apoplectic? In every single newscast, there would be they would be calling him a traitor. They would say it was treasonous. They'd have his son up in front of Capitol Hill, in front of the Senate, at answering questions in front of the House, answering questions. Little old Adam Schiff would put his panties on his head, run around Washington, D.C., claiming we've got the smoking gun now, we've got the smoking They would have gone off. And yet this story breaks today. What do you hear from D.C.? What do you hear from the D.C. media? Crickets. What do you hear from the DOJ? Crickets. Starbucks removes chicken, maple, butter, and egg sandwich off summer menu after one week. After customers claimed it left them with, quote-unquote, horrendous diarrhea, vomiting, and stomach pain, end quote. Now, I don't know what horrendous diarrhea is because I've, but apparently it's worse than non-horrendous diarrhea. And uh, social media users have been flooding stories on TikTok claiming it made them ill. Even some employees of Starbucks said online it had made them sick. Chicken, maple butter, and egg. Which came first, the horrendous diarrhea or the egg? I don't know. And yes. Just thought you might like to know in case offers you a chicken, egg, and maple butter sandwich. I would probably say, um, no, thank you. Avoid the horrendous thing. Kamala Harris. <laughs> Oh, Kamala Harris. Uh, there's an article uh, about today. She did a CBS interview, and everyone's trying to figure out what she, what she was saying. It was just more word salad, more stuff that she opens her mouth, and this stuff comes out. This stuff comes out. It's like it's like horrendous verbal diarrhea or something, and it just keeps coming out, and, and no one can figure out what she's talking about. Uh, I, we wanted, we were trying to look for it, but I don't think CBS has released the interview yet, all of it. So we couldn't play it for you just yet, but there are news stories about it. This one must have been worse as usual because even before the quotes became available, they were already writing stories on how bad it was. The artist Macy Gray 
has responded to remarks that she made about trans women. She's telling her detractors to F off. Macy Gray, earlier Monday night, she had an interview with Piers Morgan Uncensored. He asked her about something. She defined woman as a human being with boobs and a vagina. And her saying that a woman was a human being with boobs and a vagina upset people on the left. They said that she is transphobic. And then she agreed with Piers Morgan that transgender women should not compete in women's sports. And then, she, I mean, with that remark, I'd say a human being with boobs, you have to start with there. And a vagina is a woman. That has upset people. As you know, it may know, the artist, uh, not the artist, the writer, J.K. Rowling, has been in a war with it because she she has said, you know, the woman is whatever, biological women. Uh, Miss Rowling, the Harry Potter author, says the truth. I don't think you should be called transphobic just because you don't agree with them. There's a lot of judgment and throwing stones at people for just saying what it is. <sighs> Macy Gray says she's been she has nothing but love for the LGBTQ plus and transgender community, have been a supporter since day one. Her statement on Piers Morgan was grossly misunderstood. She says she doesn't hate anyone. I respect everyone's right to feel comfortable in their bodies and live with their own truth. And then she responded to those people that are mean. All you coming on my page threatening me and calling me names just because I said something you don't agree with, be whatever you want to be, and F off. (sighs) Such a tolerant world we live in, folks, eh? James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. Your calls are coming up. We've got some more news to get through. This is Bo Snurley's Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Hope you're enjoying it. Hope you continue to enjoy it. Go have another cup of coffee with us. I'll have a sip of coffee of two. We'll be right back. Don't go away. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Believe that fate has brought us here, and we should be 
Macy Gray joins us on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. That really broke her all on the top. That record came up. I mean, of course, she has a really interesting sounding voice. Some people would call it strange. Some people would say she sounds a little like Donald Duck saying this thing, but. I love her voice. I do. I think that this is. It's so unusual. You don't hear singers with a voice like this. Let's head back to the telephones. And let's see. Let's go to Alan Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hello, Al. Welcome. This is Bo's Nearly Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. How are you? Good Good morning, Bo. It's great to listen to all of your programs Monday through Friday and on Saturdays. I just had a couple things that were bothering me about, um, first off, the 5 o'clock show on Wednesday, when John had uh, the former Senator Vince D'Amato and mm-hmm. the things mm-hmm. that he said about Rudy Giuliani were disgusting. And there's Rudy in the hospital having fence put in him. And they actually gave that guy time on the on the program. No wonder he's a former senator and that he was only senator for uh, 18 years in New York. Too bad he's Republican. And the other thing, Bo, that I wanted to talk about was Thursday night, um, Frank Morano's show, he was talking about the Bodega incident, and he said right off the bat that that the Bodega clerk shot the person that was killed. And I mean, in, 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 in addition to that, he, Frank Morano has three felon, felon, uh, let uh, me stop you right here. Let me stop you. Al, let me stop you right here. I mean, keep him up. Al, I just want to say something to you. First of all, I am not the host of those programs. I host my programs. Now, John Katz has cats at night, as you mentioned, and if you find something offensive on John Katz's program, I think the thing to do is to call John and say, hey, John, what this? And let John explain to you, if he chooses to, why he has guests. Now, I would also say this. We love Julie, We love we love Rudolph Giuliani. 
We do. We love him. But nobody is immune from criticism. People criticize me. People criticize everybody else here. It's okay if you can defend yourself. And I think that you're rightly, that you are rightly upset because Rudy Giuliani has a show here. If someone has criticism uh, criticism of him, they should call Rudy and talk to him and let Rudy defend himself and, and, and back it up. So I get that. But when you start talking about Frank Morano, look, Frank has a show here. Call Frank and let Frank know the objections you have. I'm not the complaint center. I do my show here. Okay, you want to complain to a radio host about what goes on on that radio host program, call them and see if they'll take your call. I take calls from everybody. If you want to complain about something that I've said here, please call. You will be treated respectfully. But I'm not going to sit and try to defend what happens on other people's programs because they have programs, and you can call their program. But I am grateful that you listen to Frank Morano. I'm grateful you listen to John Katz, Katz at Night, and Katz has a show on the weekend. And if you please listen to the music programming on WABC, we have Cousin Brucey coming up tonight. We have all kind of great offerings here on WABC. We stream worldwide. You can go to the WABC radio app, keep us with you day and night. If you're planning on going vacation now that this COVID thing has receded somewhat. Keep WABC with you. Al, thank you for the call. We appreciate you so much. Let's go to Catskills and talk with Chris. How are you, Chris? Hey, I'm feeling better. Uh, I've had Omicron, I believe. It's the new uh, BA5 variant. Uh, I was pretty sick there for about two and a half days. But I had four Pfizer shots. I remember hearing you say months back that you were very ill from uh, a breakthrough infection. And I find it very strange. I was watching the... uh, ABC World News, I watch every night. And uh, the number one news story is Brittany Grenier pleading guilty for possession of hashish oil. And I'm thinking to myself, that should be like number nine news story. Why is it number one? And why did they not report at all these high infection rates and breakthrough rates? Mm. (laughs) Why indeed? and I happen to be a uh, a fiscal conservative Democrat, you know, but I call it like I see it. And I, I don't agree with all the points that you make all the time. And, you know, you'd be a type of guy I'd love to sit down and have dinner. Well, not dinner, because I, ironically, I my aunt, my cousin called me up after dropping my aunt off down in Poughkeepsie. And uh, she lives in Bethesda, Maryland, asked me if I wanted to meet up for dinner. I chose a diner in Kingston, and I believe that's where I picked up. The, uh, oh, the Omicron, huh? Yeah. Well, well number you know, one, I, I'm glad you're feeling better, and I do know what it's like to be ill. Now, let me let me address what you're saying here, and just I don't want you to hang up, but I want to read something, and this may take a little, a few seconds. I want to read this. There's a um, editorial. There's an editorial by the editorial board in the Amazon Prime Washington Post today. And then they're asking all of us to stop and reflect on the success of the coronavirus vaccines. While most vaccines take five to ten years to develop and manufacture, the remarkable mRNA shots appeared in less than a year. They were safe. They were free. And they dramatically reduced serious illness and death. One of the great biomedical achievements of all time. And yet the rates could have been better. And they, then they go on to explain 
that in America, how many people didn't get the vaccines? And and they and this whole op editorial, maybe I'll come back. I don't want to take too much time. And they question how how so many Americans chose not to get vaccinated, and they kind of, you know, poo-poo those people that chose not to. Now, you got vaxxed, and you still ended up with it. I got vaxxed. I still ended up with it. We don't know the number of breakthrough uh, cases, Chris. We also don't know the number of people, even more importantly, that took the vaccine and then were seriously harmed by it. We don't know those numbers. No one's talking about those numbers. And what? What is it? Haiti, this story from the uh, Gateway Pundit, um, 11.6 million people live in Haiti. Vaccination rate is 1.4%. 1.4% of the 11.6 million got the vaccine. Guess how many people died in Haiti of COVID-19? How many? 837. Wow. So there you have it, Chris. That we are being told, again, that we all should get on our hands and knees and worship the vaccine. By the way, they failed to mention that Donald Trump actually tried to spearhead getting that vaccine manufactured quickly, and a lot of it wouldn't have happened except for him. But they want us to get on our hands and knees, and they wonder how come American people are not more trusting. But these are the people that will not give proper information. They withhold information from the American people. So why should the American people trust them? Chris, you get the last word. Go ahead. Uh, I, I just, you know, I, I myself personally, I was a caregiver for both my elderly parents for over a decade. And so for the, for, uh, the first uh, year and uh, 10 months of the, uh, of the, the COVID pandemic, uh, you know, I, I, I was taking care of my elderly mom. And, and you know, so I, I didn't go out much. I lived like a hermit and I just went out to do shopping and I always wore a mask. So I've been out to four musical events and two political fundraisers. I attended a fundraiser of a Democratic assemblyman who unfortunately lost to the socialist. I'm in the one area where the one loss was. Uh, it's a it's an AOC disciple. Uh, and uh, I went out to the diner once. Those are the only times that I haven't worn a mask out and I was able to trace back my steps in the timeline. So the masks do work, you know, but you have to wear a 95 mask or at the very least a 94 mask or else it's a waste of your time. But I do believe that the public should be wearing the mask. If, if, you know, if you haven't had COVID and then you get it and you realize how sick it can make you, it, it will change your opinion on, on masks, in my opinion. Well, it didn't change my opinion and I had it and I almost died from it. And my opinion remains the same. I want people to have freedom and all this business about the mask, masking up children that that stand very little risk of getting the disease, I think was nonsense. It didn't follow the science. And so I want, look, the most valuable thing that America has is liberty and freedom. That is the most valuable thing. And anytime you get a bunch of politicians who are anxious to snatch that freedom from the American people, I am suspicious of their motives. And that is exactly what happened during this entire COVID pandemic. But I love your call. I'm so happy that you were able to recover quickly from it. And we'll hope to hear from you again. Got to go. James Golden, WABC. We're back right after this. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Oh, no, politics. 
and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. W-A-Beatles-C. The Beatles bring us back. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Ringo Starr had a birthday this week. Man, getting up there. Paul McCartney was performing over in the UK. So glad these two guys are still with us. What amazing musicians. They flipped the script on popular music. And a lot of it happened right here on WABC in New York. And it happened under Cousin Brucey's watch. Cousin Brucey was a part of that whole scene. Cousin Brucey's on tonight on WABC. Make sure you check him out, and make sure you stay with us for Larry Kudlow, whose show comes up next. Now, here's a little bit more of this um, this editorial from the uh, Amazon Prime Washington Post editorial board. It says, a study by Oliver J. Watson and colleagues at the MRC Center for Global Infectious Disease Analysis at Imperial College London, published June 23rd in Lancet, sheds light on the scope of the achievement, the achievement. They're talking about of the coronavirus, virus, 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 uh, uh, vaccine. <clears throat> they say using mathematical modeling to example one to examine 185 countries and territories, the scientists found that the corona vaccines saved 19.8 million lives in the first year of vaccination starting in December 8, 2020. This is based on a broad definition of pandemic suffering, the estimated excess death toll, and the amounts to averting an astounding 63% of all deaths. In other words, cutting the loss by more than half. Blah, 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 blah. Then they claim that the vaccines prevented about 1.1 million deaths in the United States during its first year. It could have been better if the World Health Organization's global target of vaccination rate of 40% of all populations by the end of 2021 had been met. It would have averted nearly 600,000 additional deaths, the study says. The majority of those in poorer countries in the United States vaccines Success was tempered by the refusal of millions to accept the shots. Damn it. It doesn't say that. I I said that. Overall, 71% of the eligible U.S. population is vaccinated with two shots, but only 49% of those eligible have gotten a first booster dose. Even fewer, 26%, of the eligible population have gotten a second booster. In all age groups, the uptake of these remarkable life-saving vaccines fell far below the number of eligible and many of those who refused paid a high price. According 
to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in April, people over 50 years old who were unvaccinated had 42 times the risk of dying from COVID-19 as those with all the shots. The tragedy, they say, is that so much hesitancy was caused by the deliberate spread of disinformation from anti-vaccine campaigners. And they go on to say, in a deeply unsettling move, the anti-vaccine campaigners in Ohio are organizing a ballot ballot initiative on a proposal that would effectively block vaccine mandates. That's unsettling? Uh, Okay. According to an independent nonprofit news organization, the Ohio Capital Journal, the provision declares an individual's right to refuse any medical procedure, treatment, injection, vaccine, prophylactic, pharmaceutical, or medical device shall be absolute. If approved by referendum, this would be written into the state's constitution, making Ohio the only state with such a provision. Though whether it would violate the U.S. Constitution might be in question. The Amazon Washington Post, Amazon Prime Washington Post editorial board concludes this way. They say COVID and other diseases are not one person's problem alone. They can transmit and spread. An unvaccinated person endangers others and entirely unnecessarily with highly effective and safe vaccines at hand. Where do you start with this? Let me start with this. I don't trust the Washington Post. I don't trust the Amazon Prime Washington Post, especially when they say and write things like this, the tragedy is so much hesitancy was caused by the deliberate spread of disinformation from anti-vax campaigners. And that's from, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they cite people over 50 years old, blah, 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 had a 42. I don't care what the... CDC says the CDC has refused to release information that would harm their own narrative. And we know that such information exists. Now, if you're going to be, if you're going to preach to us and demand that we follow your mandates, then at least give the American people credit for being smart enough to figure out when you people lie to us, which is all the damn time. You have never once Washington Post in your high and mighty elitist self demanded to see the numbers from people who were harmed by the vaccines. Yet we know that there are numbers of people who have been harmed by the vaccines. I don't know whether it's an insignificant number, whether it's a large number, whether it's a moderate number. I have no way of knowing. But we know that there is anecdotal evidence and there is real evidence of people who have taken the vaccines and have died or have been seriously compromised. We know that. Where are the numbers? <clears throat> don't don't wag your, your Amazon primey finger at us and tell us we're stupid because we won't follow what you think is best for us. Show us the numbers. It's really that simple. And why should we believe you anyway? We saw what you did to Trump. 
We saw what you did as soon as he mentioned the word hydroxychloroquine. All of you cretins got up on your haunches and tried to declare it was non-functional. You know what? Hydroxychloroquine worked for me. So apparently, and apparently it works for other people because they took it and they reported feeling better, but you won't admit that you lied about that. You won't admit that you lied about ivermectin for some other people. Other people have taken ivermectin. And they report that they that it helped them. Ivermectin, it made me nauseous within the first five minutes of taking it. And my doctor immediately took me off of it. But my doctor said this has worked well with other people. And my doctor, by the way, and the group of frontline doctors that are doing this are the miracle workers here. Because they work endlessly to help people that were compromised. In one case that I know of, one of my doctor's patients was the only one to get out of a ward where people were dying left and right on ventilators. But you never hear from her in these mainstream reports because you people in the mainstream media have made these doctors that actually have a contrasting view, you have turned them into enemies of the state. So don't damn you preach to us about what we don't believe. We don't believe you because you're liars. We don't believe you because you're political liars. And I don't blame Americans who don't believe you. Now, I'm not saying these vaccines do not work. I got vaccinated. Okay? And I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling anybody, don't get vaccinated. You have to do your own research and do what's right for you in your life. By the way, that's called freedom, and that's called liberty, and that's what America's all about. America's not all about some top-heavy bureaucrat telling everybody they have to take a shot. You do your own research, and if you get sick and die because you made a decision, those are the breaks. You bear the consequence of that. But don't sit here and preach to the American people like we're stupid and we don't see what you people have been doing. And Amazon Prime, Washington Post, you are one of those organizations who basically lied to the American people with your biased, bigoted reporting that's political in nature and nothing else. And by the way, since you're such good reporters, why don't you tell us where the money went? Why don't you tell us who benefited from these vaccines? Why don't you tell us whether Dr. Fauci and the people at NIH earned any royalties off? Because Dr. Fauci tells us it's none of our business who makes the money. But it is our business. If you're telling us we have to take this shot. These people. Oh, it's time to take a break. WABC Talk Radio 77, welcome to our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James Golden here with you. We'll be back. We have more calls coming up and more news right after this. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC. Written by William Robinson. That would be Smokey Robinson. Performed by The Temptations. Eddie Kendricks in the lead. Get ready. 
Yeah, that's right. You were doing the shingling when this came out. Or were you doing the boogaloo? WABC Talk Radio 77. Welcome to our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Let's head back to the telephones. William in Westchester County, you are up next, William. Hi, good morning, James. Uh, I describe myself as a 75-year-old who's in far better shape because of physical, mental, spiritual activity, better shape than a 25-year-old. Then 15 months ago, I had the second Moderna shot. Immediately, immediately, dizziness, exhaustion, and uh, out of breath, reported it through the VA, and quickly got appointment with my primary care, which led to uh, me getting sent to cardiology, as a result of which I had to go through a very invasive procedure uh, a couple of days ago. I haven't had the results yet. As a matter of fact, while waiting for that procedure, I made my way through about one-third of the Federalist. Uh, find yourself a Cliff Notes version of that. Oh, good idea. Thank you. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling now? Oh, excellent. I've been uh, doing a, uh, a step-up exercise routine where I get up on a platform uh, about 12 inches up to a set of 100 in about seven minutes, something I did in the Marine Corps back in the late uh, 60s, and I'm feeling uh, very well recovered, but apparently my valves are leaking, and that's why I've got to go through these potential procedures. Your valves are leaking? Yep. The heart valves, that is. And this happened immediately after you took... The second shot of Moderna. Not the first, but the second. Uh, exactly a month after the first. Fifteen months ago. Wow. And when I first reported it, uh, oh, no, no, that couldn't be. Nowadays, when I mention it, it's uh, routine. So apparently it's well known that uh, these problems do exist. But they're probably not putting out any data. And that's why I say these people in, in the Washington Post lecture us as if we're stupid. And people like you go through these things, and other people are reporting them, and these people are blind and oblivious to it because they want to be. There is so much anecdotal evidence that is being talked about when it's not suppressed on social media. And doctors are talking about this when they're not suppressed on social media. But they have to form their own communications networks now because these people in the mainstream press and in social media Make them pariahs if they start to tell the truth about what people are experiencing. And that, to me, is more dangerous than anything else. Of alternative networks. Yeah. William, I so love hearing from you, man. Thank you. Good luck with the leaky valves. We hope that, that is, they're able to address that. And you, do you think, what are you, your thoughts on that? If, are they going to be able to, to work you to a place where that's no longer an issue for you? Don't know. I've got to see the cardiologist in about a week and a half. Uh, one other quick thing, a guy who called uh, uh, very early on, uh, voters uh, don't uh, vote too much. Problem is uh, with communications. If the if the RNC would be able to quickly, easily communicate what their party is all about versus the Democrats, nobody would have uh, difficulty figuring out who to vote for. William, you are... You are a man of few words, but they are powerful words. Thank you for the call. Hope to hear from you again, and I hope all goes well with your cardiologist visit. Thanks for calling, William. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Let us go now to John in Staten Island, New York. John, what's on your mind this morning? Good morning, Mr. Sternley. Your comment with uh, J. Edgar Hoover, I have to agree with you. There is a beef because he was a director until 1972, 
And he was around when McCarthy era was looking at communism, not attacking people, not doing what January 6th, not what the Democrats are doing, trying to put a crime before innocence. But McCarthy showed where the communists were, and you know what? It was obliterated. So I guess J. Edgar Hoover definitely messed up on that. But my point is we got to get more information on how the Democrats, like Blumenthal, went to a communist award show. Raskin's family was in the communists. Bernie went to Moscow, which is uh, Putin country. Uh, the Blasio here in New York went to El Salvador with the communist junta there. Uh, there's a lot of communist disguise, and we need to get that out. I mean, I'm not saying to prosecute them, but at least let it, let everybody know that communists do exist in the Democrat Party. And um, yesterday, um, uh, Doctor, um, uh, the doctor, uh, um, he was on the show with um, uh, Bernie. Well, what and, did um, the doctor, the doctor, the, what, what, what about uh, the ben doctor? Carson, sorry, Doctor Ben okay. Carson mentioned Khrushchev. 50 years ago said that all kids will follow communism. How? Well, because they're infiltrated in the Democrat Party. And Ben Carson's new book came out. you got you got to look into it. we got to get this out. Yeah, we heard not, you know, right I'm before saying, this show, we heard Dr. Carson was being interviewed on um, Ben Carson. On, on, I'm sorry, Bernie and Sid in the morning. So yes, or was yes. he on with, yes, he was on with Bernie and Sid, the number one morning show in New York, by the way. John, thank you so much for the call. Appreciate it very much. Let us go to Nina in Queens, New York. Nina, what's on your mind this morning? Yes, hello, Mr. James Golden. I'm a new listener, and it is fabulous. You are such a breath of fresh air. And WABC, I'm so glad I'm retired now. I can listen to it. But um, my heart goes out. Yeah, my heart goes out to people who've had the vaccines and had the breakthrough. And I've heard, I know nurses and a few hospice doctors. And, uh, yeah, they're not coming out with what the adverse reactions are. And it's not fair. It's not right. And you wonder what is really going on. You know what I think is, is rather sad is that during the Trump era, when we had Trump, Actually, I live in his area here in Queens where his dad grew up and stuff. But we know what our country can be like. We had the freedom and the liberty, like you say, and we were doing so well. And unfortunately, they were crucifying Trump at the time. And, you know, I was always an independent. You know, uh, I will just read the room and, and go with it. But, you know, we want that back. We want to be able to – and we see the lies. And uh, I always joke that, that uh, the lethal left – you know, their truth lies in many places. It's unfortunate. You know, their fictive reality, their imaginal reality, it's like bizarro world. And, and it's actually uh, we, a, an alternate universe. <laughs> right, exactly. And and my heart went out to that poor bodega owner. My God. I mean, I was hoping that there was going to be some sort of GoFundMe. Um, I don't know whether that's possible if... if can you do a GoFundMe to raise I think that there was, and they, and they, and after he, I don't know. Let me just check. First of all, I don't like GoFundMe. With what GoFundMe did to the uh, Canadian truckers and what they've done to others that they perceive as right wing, it's another liberal social media platform. So I wouldn't use GoFundMe for anything necessarily, I suppose. But of course, people have the freedom to do or not do. I'm just telling what I would do. I didn't like the way that they dealt with the with the truckers. I didn't like the way that they've dealt with other conservatives on on that fund. Um, I want to just ask you a question. How long have you been in Queens? 
I've been in Queens all my life, except when I went to college up in Boston. So I grew up here in Queens, and um, it's still a lovely area. Certain parts of it, of course, have its problems, but I'm right near a park. And, uh, in fact, um, there was a uh, – Trump's father, of course, did so much in the area, and there was a plaque dedicated to him in an area that was by a parking lot uh, near a grocery store in, in, like, on Jamaica Avenue in, like, the 70s. But unfortunately, one of AOC's office people tried to pry the the um, the plaque off of where it was, and the, someone saw it. They called the police, and luckily, the um, the historical society of this area was able to procure it and and have it now in safekeeping. And that was rather sad. But it, you know, it is sad, especially these people don't have any memory of what Queens is. These young little miscreants have no memory of what. Queens was such a beautiful borough to live in, right? Do you remember, I, I'm, I don't know how old you are, I don't want you to tell us, but to me, the glory days in Queens, you could go from neighborhood to neighborhood, whether it was Cambria Heights, whether it was Laurelton, whether it was over near the bridge, whether over near the Cross Bronx, you could go to Flushing, and you could spend your entire week going to different places in Queens, never get to the same place twice, never have to worry about your safety back in the day because it was just one of the most wonderful places you could ever grow up in. And you had places you had places where you could visit the arts. You had places like the, uh, the Queens Botanical Gardens. And by the way, the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens are off the hook. Okay? But it was... Um, the, <laughs> Queens, you, if you grew up in Queens, there's no way that you could not love growing up in Queens. Am I right about that? Absolutely, absolutely. And then, of course, we have the World's Fair here, too, on the grounds in Flushing. But there, there are so many, and it's still, there's still beautiful areas of Queens. And, you know, you know, uh, James, we were always an amazingly diverse borough, and we still are, and we love everybody. You That's know? what and, I say to people. I had to look. I grew up in Queens, right. and we, in Queens, you see the world. People are there from all the world. You, you can eat any place in the world. You can eat in India. You can eat in, in, in Jamaica. You can eat in Asia, any place in the world, because everybody in the, the melting pot is in Queens, New York. Very true. It is very true, and we love them all. And and this this unfortunately this injection of hate and it's sort of like you you probably remember the book The Lord of the Flies. I mentioned oh, yes. this before, and the, and the movie. And that's what I feel like it's become. It's just not right. Like Mean Girls. It's but but crazy. It's but let me ask you a question. I have to go. I'm so sorry. You have to go. No problem. Call me Thank back. You. God bless you. Love your show. I will indeed. All the Thank best. You, Thank Mina. you, Mina. Love to hear from you. All Thank the- you. We're done with hour number two, folks, here on WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Hour number three is coming up. Remember, Diana Me, our princess of policy, is on a royal emergency this weekend. But she will be back with us. We may even try to get her on Monday. Um, so it's me and you for the next hour. We still have lots of phone calls. We still have lots of news to go through. Don't go away. We are coming right back. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. 
Yeah, that was Frank Diaz's report, which was really interesting. One of the things, this whole Joe Rogan thing. Look, I have never listened to Joe Rogan. I have nothing against him, don't know him, never heard him. But I just find it odd that so many of my friends who've been telling me, you got to listen to Joe Rogan. You've got to listen to Joe Rogan. Hey, hey, what do you think now, huh? Now that, he, now that you heard this bit on Trump, you still want me to listen to Joe Rogan? Just saying. And also the report of this rapper who um, was on stage in Houston when all these people got killed, and he said, hey, he wasn't aware of it. Now, people may poo-poo that. But when you were on stage, depending on how the lighting is going, if you if the lighting is is um, in front of you, above and in front of you, and shining on you at a particular angle, you cannot see anybody in the crowd unless you go to the edge of the stage, and then maybe you will see people in the first row or second row. So it is entirely possible that someone can be on stage and not realize what is happening off stage. I find that credible. I'm just saying. I heard Frank Diaz report on that. and was Let's go to this story. Fury as left-wing activists shut down D.C. offer $200 bounties for intel on locations of SCOTUS judges who overturned Roe v. Wade after targeting Brett Kavanaugh during his steakhouse dinner. Now, <clears throat> shut down D.C. is promising a bounty of $50 for anyone who shares a confirmed sighting and a further $200 if they're still in that location half an hour later. They want to target Supreme Court justices while they're out with their family, with their friends in Washington, D.C. They, they, they tweets they want to target Justices Kavanaugh, Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, Coney Barrett, and Judge Roberts. They did this while... Judge Justice Kavanaugh was eating at Morton's. And, of course, the people at Morton's did not like it and said so. Here's what I want to know. These guys are offering people bounties. They have a way to pay them. People are getting paid by this group. This group is not untraceable. Why don't we know who they are? Why isn't the Department of Justice looking at this as a threat to the Supreme Court justices? Why aren't they listing this group a terrorist group? They're encouraging people to go terrorize and get locations for people. Do you remember, if you think that I'm being far-fetched, try to remember this. Try to remember when anti-abortion radicals doxed doctors that were performing abortions. Try to remember when anti-abortion people started doxing people that were going into abortion clinics. What happened? The federal government responded. That's what happened. They said, no, no, no. Number one, you're gonna, there's going to be a buffer zone in between these places and you. They came up with laws. You cannot harass people going in these places. In other words, they protected people. But yet our justices on the Supreme Court don't deserve protection from this Department of Justice or this federal government. How does that work? These people are insidious. Now, I will tell you, I don't want to advocate for violence in any way, shape, or form. But I will say this. If if I were on the other side of this as an activist, one of my main missions would be to find out 
who these people in shutdown D.C. are, to find out who these people are in Ruth sent us. It's amazing how these groups can spring out of nowhere, well-funded and organized, and nothing. It's like Antifa. Antifa still exists. They have terrorized. They have burned down buildings. They have beaten people. They have been violent. You keep hearing on and on about the Proud Boys this, the Proud Boys that. Meanwhile, Antifa still roams the streets doing what they're doing. I keep saying there's a double standard in justice in America. In law enforcement, there is one, too. I don't understand how these people are not being prosecuted, identified and prosecuted. I don't understand how that doesn't hold with Antifa and all these other leftist groups who are out physically committing harm. And by the way, some Congress people like Maxine Waters have also called for this. For people to harass Supreme Court judges or harass people on the other side. They did it during the Trump years. Nothing ever happened to those people. There is a lengthy story in the Amazon Washington Amazon Prime Washington Post today that is off the beaten path from most of the political things we discuss. I'm interested in it, and I just throw it out there because maybe some other people are too. And this, this I, it's so lengthy, I don't even want to get into trying to read it. It's the battle that will determine the future of American passenger rail. The, the gist of the story is that Amtrak, <clears throat> you know, Joe Biden's a big fan of Amtrak. Amtrak has money to expand, but it doesn't own the railroad tracks. Amtrak doesn't own the railroad tracks that it travels its trains on. A stalled effort along the Gulf Coast is a test of the, its ability to grow. And this is a lengthy story about a Gulf Coast passenger service pitting Amtrak against freight railroads. Freight runs most of the railroads in this country. And these freight operators, these are privately owned rail services. And so Amtrak's having a very difficult time trying to expand their services. Now, I have not been on the trains in Europe. I have seen them. I've seen pictures of them. You know, we all see them in the movies. You watch the Mission Impossible movies or whatever. You can see what the the high-speed trains are. Of course, Obama came back from China years ago ranting and raving about how great the Chinese are and we ought to learn from them. And then in Europe, of course, where they denounce mass transit, they promote a lot of trains. But I have been on Amtrak. I've been on the auto train. I've been on Amtrak's train, the Crescent, and some of the others that go down. And I think train travel is enjoyable, except for the fact that Amtrak's fleet is so freaking old. It's like that's, it's like, it's like guys. I mean, really? This is the best you can do with these cars? And by the way, the food service is not good especially if you're going on an overnight run anywhere. Then you look at the trains over in Europe, or what I perceive to be, and it's like world-class. The trains are sleek, modern. The food that they serve looks great. 
I remember being on the Crescent as a little boy when this Pullman service was still there, when when the porters, and they would serve you in these, like, silver, these, these it, it was, you go past the galley, you could see them cooking up the meals. It was like a beautiful service with the tablecloths and the, and the and the silver, real silver. So it was elegant. And these days, Amtrak is like worse than the food is like, ew. You could go to any bodega and end up with a better course of food than you would get on Amtrak. And so while they got all this money to grow, they don't own the tracks and all this, I wonder... And this is where a, a, a lot of my conservative friends would probably smack me and say, you sound like a liberal. But I really do wonder why it is that we can't have better train service in America. I mean, here we are, and I know that sounds so liberal. I, I even hate hearing myself say it. But I am saying it, and I mean it. Why can't we have better train service in America? Why can't we have, like, real fast high-speed trains that zip up and down the East Coast, and I know the left coast is trying to do it, and it's a billion-dollar boondoggle because nobody wants to ride the trains. But it's not that way in the East Coast. In the East Coast, people ride the trains. New Jersey Transit sends, like, Long Island Railroad, Metro North. And then we have the trains that run all the way through the, the, the Northeast Corridor. How come we can't have better trains? I've never understood it, and I still don't understand it. Why can't we have world-class trains like everybody else? Anyway, if any of you want to weigh in on that, please feel free. I know, I know. People say, yeah, what are you, we're turning into some liberal. I love driving. No, let me correct that. I love having people drive while I'm in the car. If I could afford it, I'd have my own driver. Because I'm done. I don't like driving anymore. I'd rather be doing something else than driving. I like listening to music while I drive. But... I like the train. I like being on the train. I wish we had, like, really comfortable beds on the trains instead of those things that they call beds on Amtrak, which are horrific. The little rooms in Amtrak, you can barely fit in the little bathrooms if you have, uh, if you have, I mean, not, (laughs) it's way past time that we modernize trains in America because Amtrak, I'm telling you, man, this stuff is like you're going back to to 1960s when everybody was tiny. You can barely even fit in the in the bathrooms in Amtrak. And as I said earlier, the food, <laughs> right? Bring your own. When I used to take the Am, when I used to take the uh, the auto train, what I used to do is go to Wegmans in in Virginia. I don't know if you've ever shopped at a Wegmans. Wegmans was the bomb, right? You used to go to Wegmans and do like a picnic basket and then get on the train to do the overnight thing. But, uh, yeah, New York, the train service from Boston, Boston down through uh, Penn Station, what you, what remains of Penn Station, 
that's a topic for another day. How do you ruin a great architect, a great historical piece of architecture like New York did Penn Station? Oh, anyway, WABC Talk Radio 77 is both search nerdlies. <laughs> it's a Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Your calls are coming up, too. But I do have one piece that we are going to get to, and we'll do it next, which is the hate, a piece out of the Los Angeles Times today. Uh, you wait till you hear this. James Golden, A.K. Stern, and we're back right after this. Talk Radio 77. WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, A.K.A. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Ah, yes, welcome to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Sade brings us back... Kiss of life. There must have been an angel by my side. Something heavenly led me to you. Look at the sky. It's the color of love. There must have been an angel by my side. One of her masterpiece albums, No Ordinary Love, is on this album. Of course, this was the big hit from the album. But this is one of those Sade albums you can listen to every single song, and it's great. Everyone. And you talk about a unique voice. She kind of reminds me of a Strood, but not really. Get, I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. I just get caught up in that song. I just, I love it. I just love her voice. I love this song. Wow. Uh, Nicholas Goldberg in the Los Angeles Times today. Hate the Supreme Court. Our problems actually start with the Constitution. Uh, Nicholas Goldberg begins this way. So are you unhappy with the Supreme Court justices who turned back the clock on environmental protection, abortion, school prayer, and guns. You're angry because they're ideologues with a reactionary agenda, flexing their muscles to eliminate rights, weaken government, and endanger the planet. Me too. They're reprehensible. But let's be honest. The problem isn't just with the justices. The problem, or at least a substantial portion of it, lies with the U.S. Constitution itself. Well, first of all, uh, Nikki Ogai, I am not unhappy with the Supreme Court justices. They did not turn the clock back on environmental protections. They actually 
adhere to the Constitution, which never gave the right of a bunch of unelected hidden bureaucrats to seize power over large swaths of the American economy. They were renegade at the EPA. And now their little wings are clipped. And I'm not mad about it, Nick. They did not eliminate rights. Your side made up rights out of thin air and said they were in the Constitution when anyone who reads the Constitution can read it and find that they're not in there. And the Constitution clearly says that all rights that are not enumerated in the Constitution are rights that belong to the states. And so all the Supreme Court did was return rights back to the people and their state representatives. That is not eliminating democracy. It is not eliminating rights. It is restoring rights to where the United States Constitution had determined that they belonged in the first place. So these judges are not reprehensible, endanger the planet. Where in the hell in the Constitution does it say that the Supreme Court's job is to be the, the, the guardian of the galaxies or the guardian of planet Earth? It doesn't. These justices are not reprehensible. What is reprehensible is that you liberals can no longer be intellectually honest when you report on what the court does. Because you're so wrapped up in your ideological point of view that you can't look past that and actually read the Constitution honestly. So now let's go back to Nicholas Goldberg. Yes, the hollow Constitution, the document hammered out in 1987 by 55 bewigged men in Philadelphia. Our reverend charter that lays out the foundational rules and principles at the heart of the American experiment, freedom of speech and religion, the separation of powers, federalism, bicameralism, and all other checks, balances, rights, promises, and innovations that make this nation what it is. These days, he says, the Constitution is showing its age. He quotes David S. Law, a professor at the University of Virginia School of Law, who says it was written by a small group of white male landowners clustered along the eastern seaboard in a largely agrarian society in the late 1700s. How could it possibly fit the needs of a highly diverse country of 300-plus million people in the 21st century, a military and economic superpower in a globalized world, a highly developed post-industrial nation that stretches from sea to shining sea? Now, Nicholas does say in his defense, the 235-year-old Constitution has been extraordinarily resilient. It's the oldest Constitution still in force in the world. Many young nations have used it as a model for inspiration, beginning with France, whose revolution came just a few years after ours. Nations emerging from colonialism in the 20th century used it as well. But today, he says, it is too inflexible, insufficiently democratic, and even some ways dysfunctional. Many look to it now less as a model to be emulated than an example of what to avoid. 
and he goes on to criticize aspects of the Constitution. You know what the Constitution has in it that you, Mr. Goldberg, and, and your ilk on the left don't seem to understand, and that is inherent right to amend it. If you think that the Constitution is so out of date, if you think the Constitution does not apply to today's needs, amend it. There's a process put in place to amend it. It has been amended before. Where's your political energy to amend the document instead of trashing it? And just because it was written by a bunch of white men back then, there's no reason to get rid of it. That's what all you people that are from the bigoted left seem to think. Oh, white men did that. White men did that. So because white men did it, it's poisoned. Well, no, it's not. Do I wish that America had had a different racial history than it did at the beginning? Of course I do. But I also accept history for what it is. And these men were brilliant like no other men, which is why the document has lasted for 245 years. These were brilliant men. And by the way, women did have influence. Women always have influence. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Women always have influence. The Constitution is not the problem. The problem is that you liberals, Mr. Goldberg, hate living with the rules. You want to do what you want to do, and the rules don't matter. And if something happens, then your your the way you do it is not to comport to the rules of society. It's to change the rules. If you want more hedonism, just go ahead. Never mind what whatever moral codes exist. Just go for more hedonism. And if the rules don't permit it, well, rewrite the rules. If you don't like the way something's working in elections, never mind trying to adhere to it. Rewrite the rules. Even while an election is going on, rewrite them. If your judge is in Pennsylvania, if you don't like the way that a ruling goes, take to the streets. Go disrupt people's dinners. Break the rules. Try to force them with violence. That's your way. Whatever you want, you're supposed to get. Want to kill your baby? Go ahead, kill your baby. Oh, it's a life? No, no, no. We'll call it something else. We'll call it a fetus and say it's not living. Oh, you want to save the turtles? Oh, well, damn it, you better not go near that turtle egg because that turtle egg is living. We'll throw your ass in jail if you go anywhere near that turtle egg. But as far as a human being, ah, forget it. Call it a fetus. Get rid of it. Chop it up. Sell the parts. And if you think that I'm being, if you think that I am being dishonest or this is hyperbole, it is not. There are videos of what happens to these fetuses in Planned Parenthood and the body parts that Planned Parenthood has been selling. I am sorry. It is grotesque to think about it. It is grotesque to mention it. But this has been happening in America. But if liberals don't like the rules, screw you, we'll change the rules so that we get what we want. And if by chance 
we get a court that finally says, no, this is what the Constitution said, and no, that ruling was wrong. Now you have liberals like Mr. Goldberg on his high horse. Not only are the justices reprobates, but the Constitution is an old document that we should ignore. What we need to ignore are these liberals, folks. That's who deserves to be ignored. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, we're here. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We are coming back right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's the soul of excellence. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly on 77 WABC. That's right. Get on up. Flying the family stone, bring us back on WABC. Larry Graham on bass. Freddie Stone on guitar. Larry with the fuzz box. And Sly himself there. Sly and the family stone. Let's head back to the telephones. Rich in East Meadow, Long Island. Hey, Rich. Good morning. Good morning, Bo. Thank you. Uh, I want to talk about Jose, Jose Alba. Yes, please. And, um, this it's it's disgraceful. It's Orwellian. What's happening? Can you sometime this? I have a couple things if you don't mind. Can you sometime this week make it perfectly clear to every Republican politician out there that they cannot win in New York without the Spanish vote? Um, my heart does go out for Jose, but I Amen. want to not the political. Okay, go ahead, I, man. Please, please beat the hell out of him and beat the hell out of me if I don't see this correctly. I, you know, we're not an echo chamber. We do. We all like minded, but we're not an echo chamber. Lee Zeldin tweeted, he truthed, and he has an official statement on his campaign website in support of Jose, and he's condemning New York City government. He needs to be a 500-pound gorilla pounding on his chest, demanding that the shackle comes off of Jose, not tomorrow, not next week, but today. Can you please do what you do? And I love you. Rich, I love you, too. And thank you. And I and folks, if you say, oh, why is this guy acting? This isn't acting. This is passion. And everybody in the world should feel from for Jose Alba. Here's a guy who's working in a bodega. Who knows whether he's really making a decent salary or not. But we do know that he's there. He's not somewhere begging people for money 
refusing to work. And you get some, some thug and his girlfriend. The girlfriend, for whatever reason, doesn't have enough money to buy the potato chips. And instead of just saying, oh, okay, let me go get some more money. No, she goes out and gets her super predator, thug, criminal boyfriend. He comes in, and he's going to march behind the counter and start pushing the clerk, the store clerk. By the way, the same day that this happened, there's another video that went viral of three girls in their 20s tearing down a concession stand and just throwing things and disrupt. They were arrested. But it is one of the strangest things that you ever see, these girls behaving like wild animals. So then you get this this super predator thug criminal that attacks the bodega worker. The bodega worker grabs a knife, which, thank goodness, was near his reach. Otherwise, he may be dead now. And he stabs this this convicted, previously convicted, felon, criminal, thug, miscreant, low-life, super predator in the neck. And the guy drops. I'm sorry. None of us advocate like killing. We should all feel bad when anyone is killed. I get that. But this man was attacking someone making an honest living, and he picked on the wrong guy. And now he deaded. And he deaded. And I don't. And now we get this district attorney in New York that actually throws the guy in jail for defending himself and saving his own life. Alvin Bragg is a disgrace to anything in a society that wants true justice or fairness. The man is a disgrace. He and his progressive ilk are ruining this city. They are making people unsafe. They are costing people their lives in some cases because they let these criminals out of jail so that they can go rape, pillage, murder innocent New Yorkers, and this mayor who miles and miles and miles when he's not partying with the upper crust in New York or wherever else in the nation, miles about he wants to bring crime under control, this mayor is doing nothing to get this district attorney removed, this Governor Hochul, this unelected, unelected, unrepentant progressive is letting the people of New York suffer through this failed experiment in progressivism. And it makes no sense. Let us go to the Upper East Side and Leo. Welcome. Hello, James. Uh, just, Just to start, I have two short comments. One is new nickname for Mayor Adams. Is a Brandon of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, m have actually fast trains called called Axela. They they go up to 150 miles an hour and they look luxurious. But the rails between uh, between Philadelphia and Boston are on, on so many spots so bad, 100 years old, 
that's actually in average is actually making less than 100 miles an hour. In yep. average between the whole thing. Anyway, James, I'm passionate about something else. A uh, long time ago in Europe, when my uh, wife was pregnant uh, with my firstborn daughter, she fell off the stairs, and my firstborn was born at uh, uh, in seven and a half months of pregnancy. She was three and a half pounds uh, altogether, but she was developed. She had nails, hair, beautiful blue eyes, and she was just a little human being. And I cannot imagine these liberals, how they uh, are willing to kill something in the tri- third trimester. And there I have one more uh, comment about that. Uh, yes. My youngest daughter, who was born already in the United States, I raised her as a single parent since age three. And I have very much uh, like a, uh, as a father, I have developed very like overprotective over the over the rights of father uh, feelings. I believe if these Democrats or liberals uh, want to push the abortion all the way to the end of pregnancy in the third trimester should automatically legally kick in the right of the father if the mother don't want to have the child she just sign over all the parental rights to the father doctors make her uh, make her uh, you know they can provoke provoke actually uh, leo what you're saying is actually pretty brilliant if in the third trimester a woman doesn't want the baby okay gotcha all the rights go revert back to the father of that child. And that takes care of that. It's brilliant. I'm glad your your premature daughter made it. And, Leo, you have such a wonderful perspective on life and the sanctity of life, and you are living proof of it. And thank you so much. We appreciate you. Ernest in Rockland County, WABC, what's on your mind this morning? Good morning, Mr. Golden. God bless you, sir. And I always say this, you are an absolute treasure and you, you, uh, your, your audience is the greatest only because of you. And God bless oh, you, sir. Man. Thank you for Thank what you, you do. Sir, uh, we spoke briefly. Um, I have to add to it. Let me just give you a federal law, a New York state law. It's number 22NYCRR130-1.1. Lawyers may not speak out against the judiciary. Chuck Schumer said it against Kavanaugh. You're going to get it. And he unleashed what's now happening to our our justices. They are the most important thing because America was started based on a justice system. And now Biden go, goes against the judiciary. And, sir, this is shocking. But I heard and I saw Senator Grassley say on TV, he almost yelled it. He's a very stentorian speaker he said that there was a picture of kamala and biden and he said three things you're a lawyer you can't say that you lie to the american people biden just did that now the u.s marshal system are those who protect our judiciary where are they they must arrest chuck schumer and he must be brought to justice for causing the greatest disruption of our justice system that's ever happened. I want to slap the cuffs on that guy. Biden must be arrested. These people cannot disrupt our entire country. 
and this is what they've done. And what we're experiencing, sir, is this. These are tactics, and Democrats use three tactics, un-American tactics, anti-American tactics, and abuse of discretion. Discretion is the ability to make a reasoned decision. These people are in their offices, and they're making unreasonable decisions. And the easiest thing for people to do to remove these people is to file an OPRA or a FOIL document and make sure that they have title to their office. That's all we have to do. If you look up New York Executive Law 73A for Hochul and Cuomo, New York Executive Law 73A, just look that up. You're going to be in shock. We are here to establish justice. This country was made for American people. We are the Americans, and our seal is our thumbprint. And we are, and all these other people are working under state seal. When Schumer said that to Kavanaugh, he was standing behind the New York state seal, and there's the American flag and the seat of government flag. That man is under arrest. And in well, addition, okay. Let, come, on, come on, let's not. He is not under arrest. You are, he should be under arrest, according to what you're saying. And I understand that. And believe me. Uh, it was a threat. There's no other way to look at it. You will reap the whirlwinds, is what Chuck, is what Chuck Schumer uh, said to Kavanaugh. And what we have seen since, these threats upon the justices of the United States are unconscionable. And I asked earlier in the program, where's the DOJ protecting the lives of these people? And why are these groups that are openly calling for bounties to identify where they are, why aren't they being exposed and arrested? This is a violation of the law, what they are doing. And for that, you are absolutely right, Ernest. And I thank you. Look, our time's fleeting here. You had, I wanted to give you enough time to explain to people exactly your point of view, and you did. And we really appreciate it. I got to go to a break. We're going to come back with rapid phones, get as many phone calls as we can in the final segments of the program today. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, and we are coming back after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, is on 77 WABC. From the Hotter Than July album... And Stevie Wonder's All I Do. Singing background on this cut, Michael Jackson. This song, Stevie did years after other people did it, even though he wrote it. Brenda Holloway recorded this song many, many years ago. Tammy Terrell did it. Well, let's head back. We've got rapid phones. Let us see where we're going to start. Let's start with Patrick in New Jersey. Thank you for holding, Patrick. Hey, how you doing, Bo? Good. I got a... Two quick things. Number one, I just dropped my wife off to go. She's from Thailand. And if you go to Thailand, there is a uh, very clear distinction of women and 
transsexual women. They call them lady boys. All right. Nobody mm-hmm. gets offended at that. They're, nobody expects you to call them a woman. Uh, right. And there's a complete separation of it. And mm-hmm. they're accepted everywhere. I mean, you sit at a table, you're, you know, um, nobody, nobody judges them, but they do not force you to call them a woman. Right. They're not. And, and so now just a quick first point. And second, you know, I'm a, I'm a historian, Bo, and do you know where Dr. King's first civil rights battle happened? Uh, let me see. At one point I did, and I have forgotten where. Maple, Maple Shade, New Jersey. Maple wow. Shade, New Jersey. And he was living in Camden, New Jersey at the time. He performed a sit-in at a restaurant. The, uh, the owner chased him out with a gun. He um, got the president of the NAACP at that time, came to the Maple Shade police station at midnight, uh, helped him get the owner arrested. They filed a lawsuit against the uh, restaurant owner. And, um, and he was living in Camden. This is just a quick example of, of how the left plays these things. Do you know I'm who first brought say- him? Do you know who first brought, Washington, who first brought Dr. King to, to Washington, D.C.? I do not. Richard Nixon. Hmm. Well, listen real quick. So there's the house in Camden, Bo. I've been trying to put this on the historic registry for, new, for, for historic places. I mean, this is where he planned his first civil rights battle. And the right. state of New Jersey has refused to accept the significance of Martin Luther King's first civil rights battle that happened here in New Jersey in 1950, five years before Montgomery. Why do you think that five is? Years. Why do you think they're refusing? I think, I think they're, they're embarrassed and they, and, and they don't want to admit that, that Dr. King was refused service in New Jersey, and that's really what sparked his interest uh-huh. in civil rights. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. So, and you know, you know, Dr. King was a, was a, was a Republican. Okay, you know, this is rapid phones, and you're into like five minutes now. But I, so we got to get some other people here. But I love your call. I love the history. And call us back and let us know that you have some more history for us, and we'll get you in before we start rapid phones. I really appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Let's go to Susan in Brooklyn. Susan, welcome. Hi there. It's so nice being with you on Saturday mornings and your your fabulous callers. Um, listen, this is quick. I'm going to follow up with you. But there's 15,000 pages of the Pfizer um, trials have um, been attained through Freedom of Information Act. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Dr. Naomi Wolf, who is a uh, Ph.D. researcher. Oh, I know who she is. Has, she's, uh-huh. she's been under attack. She has a book out. Right. And What's... I just want to tell the audience, because this can be our book club, and I will call you back so we can unravel some of this, because these will be facts. And, of course, Pfizer didn't want this um, this um, put out for 75 years. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder why. So now we're going to get the truth. And mm-hmm. um, you are the truth, and you are our light. And, oh, um, you're so sweet. love hearing you. Susan, love you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Wolf and some of the other folks, they were a group of doctors in America. They call themselves the frontline doctors. And if they were true heroes, these people have risked their reputations. They've risked everything about their livelihoods to try to operate with truth and to help people. And I may tell you this, I had a frontline doctor and she saved my life. And these people are being hammered by the system because they will not go along with the narrative. And that's what I say to the to the Amazon Prime Washington Post, 
Don't lecture us on why we don't trust you. We don't trust you because you people lie. Lori in Harlem, welcome. How are you, Lori? Good morning, Mr. Snurdy. I have two diverse topics, but I can speak fast. Go ahead. Uh, first one is about the bodega owner. I grew up in Harlem. I still live here. And I want to tell you, I grew up around bodegas. One thing I can say about the bodega owners and their families, if you do not have money, I have seen countless times. It happened to my family, me and my brothers, when we used to go in there and didn't have enough money. They will let you go. They have a heart. They look out for you. And then you go back in good faith and you pay the money. Who knows how many times this, and I don't know if this happened, this gentleman or this store owner allowed this woman and this family to go without paying for whatever they want. But they do not want to be taken advantage of. Who knows what really happened? But they are very fair, and they will let you go if you don't have the money. And quickly, second, the trains. I'm so glad you bought up trains. I travel back and forth to see my sister up I-95. She lives in Maryland, other family in Virginia. You have this beautiful Moynihan station. I, I don't know if you've been in it yet, but then you go downstairs and you have the same crappy train. So that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Laurie. Thank you. Hope to hear from you soon. Let's go, to, let's go to San Diego very quickly. Tim, welcome, WABC. Final minutes are clicking in. You've got to get to it fast. Yeah, yeah, real quick. Uh, you mentioned Stevie a couple of minutes ago. I, I called you about uh, John McLaughlin the other day and Al Gimiola. Uh But uh, real quick, I was working at Genentech years ago, and when they had their initial public offering, they had a, uh, a, a fete for the uh, employees, a soiree, and it was a surprise, and Stevie showed up and played in the parking lot. And uh, it was unbelievable. He was, of course, Stevie, and just amazing. I think it was 1998 or... It may have been 1999, and uh, he he brought out MC Hammer on stage, and you saw you saw the genius and the and the clown on the same stage. Oh. You, know? Uh, you know what I mean? He's like he's like come out here, Hammer, and he he didn't want to come out because he's with Stevie, and then of course the band could play anything, so they did don't you know can't touch this you know and stuff like that. But Stevie was unbelievable. I mean, he writes songs on the spot. You know what I mean? It's just yes, I do. He is he's our he is this century's version of a Beethoven or or one of the he is just an amazing talent and um one of a kind. And he's he is he is truly all of that. And thank you. By the way, you mentioned Al Demiola. We have a podcast with Al Demiola and it is awesome. Al and by the way, Al Demiola just sent me some music. Thank you, Al Demiola. Appreciate it. Al Demiola's loved on this program. So thank you so much. Let's go to Brooklyn and Frank. Frank, welcome, WABC Talk Radio 77. Yeah, hiya, James. James, I'm a retired New York City detective. And let me tell you, some of my friends said before the election, oh, it's great, Adams is a former cop. He'll be good for the city. I said, let me stop you right there. From day one, all of us that served, when he served, he was a politician. He talks the talk. He don't walk the walk. He should be calling for the repeal of the bail reform law, and he should be calling for the removal of any district attorney that refuses to prosecute New York State crimes. That's what he should do. He's a phony. He's a big phony. Frank, when you look at what is happening to New York, when you look at what is happening with New York crime, what goes through your head? You served. You know what it's like here on these streets. What goes through your head when you see what's happening in this city right now? Even the young officers I know that came on after me that are getting close to their 20, they're getting out. Nobody has their back. 
It's a terrible thing. The city is in chaos. The citizens don't realize it. The city is in chaos because the bad guys say, hey, we're going to call the police, and they say, well, we'll wait for the cops to come. Or you've got anti-crime units that are identifiable by markings on their supposed undercover clothes. Yeah, that's for the bad guys. The bad guys say, oh, wait till those anti-crime cops go away, and then we'll do our crime. That's what I mean. Adams is for the criminal, and he leaves these bad prosecutors in office. It's very frustrating for me as a New Yorker and a former cop to see my department and my city destroyed, but beginning with the last guy and now Adams. Terrible. Frank, thank you. God bless you, my friend, and thank you for your service. Mike Gracie in Rockland County. Gracie. Hi, Bo. Love you. Listen, it was all right for Camilla to pay the bails for the people in Seattle and uh, Portland. But when they had a GoFundMe page for this poor um, Jose, they took it down. If that's not a double standard, I don't know what is. And, and Schumer, that was my thought originally. Schumer, uh, where is he? He's so full of it. And Gillibrand, uh, we have to protest and uh, uh Jordan better come out every day and, and explain this, what's going on, that we're not safe. We're not safe. I feel sorry for the people in New York City. Here we're kind of safe. Listen, my 15 seconds of fame is up. Bye-bye. Love you, love you, love you, Gracie. So good to hear your beautiful voice again. Uh, let us go to Roberta in Staten Island. How are you, Roberta? I love your show, Red Sam's. I just want to say that our mayor, he's calling for people to put masks on again, even though we don't need it. He's, uh, he's trying to lock us up again before the next uh, election comes on. That's what it seems that yeah, way. Yeah, and let us go back and remember what Joe Biden said about the next uh, pandemic already being planned. That had a lot of people upset, and people are very suspicious. And once again, I say to the people at the Amazon Prime Washington Post who today write and lecture people who who are not filled with trust about the vaccine or what they're hearing about COVID, don't blame people for being untrustworthy, for not trusting you. You people lie. That's it, folks. We're done. Back Monday at 4 p.m. for Boston Early's Rush Hour. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families, and thank you for being here and every day that you're here. I want to thank my crew. I have the best crew in radio, and I am highly appreciative of you guys. Thank you. See you later. Bye.